Beloved brands know customer relationships are everything. That's why over 130,000 trust Clavio to power smarter digital relationships across their websites, emails, SMS, and reviews. And now there's Clavio AI, your guide to smarter insights, decisions, work, and results. Brands like Everyman Jack trust Clavio AI to personalize product recommendations that keep customers coming back. Discover Clavio AI at clavio.com slash box. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com backslash box. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Fighter versus the Writer. I'm your host, as always, Damon Martin. He is UFC legend Matt Brown. Matt, what is going on? It's all going on, bro. We get it done, man. Hitting the sauna all the time, keeping that wood burning in there, uh, sweating it out, bro. Loving it. You, uh, it's actually getting a little cooler here in Ohio too. So you get like that full on like sauna effect. Step in, step out, and it's actually a little chillier now. Oh yeah, dude. It's so much better too when it cools off like this a little bit. Even though it takes a little bit longer up uh, to step out of the sauna and cool off just in the in the air, and I have a little outdoor shower set up, so we. You know, the the water is freezing cold now. I have well water, so it gets really cold around this time of year. And then, uh, yeah, it's just the, the whole atmosphere, the ambiance, everything is so much better when it's cool off like this. Yeah, I I imagine like it's like it's almost like like the hot tub thing. Like when you have a hot tub outside, you know what I mean? It's like cold out there, the cold air and then the hot tub. It's like the way to way to do it. So I imagine that's going to be yeah. nice with the sauna. <laughs> it will it will definitely get colder here in Ohio. We're, we, we got it coming. I'm not happy about it, but it will happen. <laughs> it happens every year, whether you like it or not. Uh, when are you going to come over and do the sauna, Damon? I, I'm going to do it soon. I promise I am. I, I actually was super curious about it because I was like, I haven't I haven't actually done a sauna in, in quite a while. I used to have a membership to a gym that has a sauna, but it's been years since I had it because they jacked their prices up, and I'm like, I ain't paying that. Uh, well, so, right, yeah. It's, so, it's so- it's just so different when you have your own and it's so different when you have like a cold plunge there. It's so different when you have a wood burning stove versus, you know, an electric stove is so different, man. You know, having doing it your way, you know, we're walking in and out soaking wet, you know, from sweat and from the shower, from a cold plunge. Um, we're pouring water all over the rocks, getting as steamy as hell. Um, of course, Coleman's always over here making a loud noise, walking around in his underwear. And you're not getting that at the local gym. So. Yeah, that's true. You're not going to get that. Yeah, I was actually texting with uh, with with Coley uh, a couple days ago. He had messaged me, and he's just like, what's going on, Damon? And so we were talking. And I was like, dude, we got to get you on the podcast. He's like, I know. I'll, I'll, I'll come on and do it. So we got to get Coleman on the podcast again. We were just texting the other day, so uh, I can yeah, only imagine. Know, you know, if I hit him up, if I just stay on him, he'll, he'll do it. You know, it's just a matter of. Um, well, it's a matter of me remembering to do it. <laughs> That's all it takes. Uh, we'll do it. We, we should, we, maybe, I don't know if it's possible. Like it, there's, I don't think it'd be possible because like the steam and the heat, but it's like, it'd be funny to do a podcast recording session in the sauna. 
you know, so th there's people that have done it. There is a way to do it. Um, my actually one of my favorite podcasts I, I, I ever listened to was Tim Ferriss doing it with Rick Rubin and his sauna. And that was a, um, it, it is possible. And I know another guy who done it, who has done it a few times. Um, I don't know how easy it is to do though. And I think you're like kind of putting your equipment at risk too. And then to be honest, I don't know if I would want to either. Cause I kind of thought about that when I first got, it. I was like, dude, we'll do podcasting here. That'd be cool. But then when I get in the sauna, like, I don't like talking a lot. You know, I talk, I socialize a little bit with the people around, but like, I like to sit in the sauna and, you know, fucking grind it out, man. And then, and then when you get out of the sauna, maybe have a beer, maybe have a shot of whiskey or a glass, have a cigar or something. And, uh, uh, you know, chop it up while you're sitting outside of the sauna afterward. Yeah. That's like the, uh, that's like your time to reflect your time to like, almost like meditate yeah. in a way. Like, you know what I mean? You don't want to really talk during that time. Yeah. And, and I'm going to, when I crank that thing up, it's too hot to you talking just a energy expenditure. You don't want to be dealing with. I'm, I get that motherfucker cranked up, bro. We're looking <laughs> at uh, plus one ninety. They're easy. I've had I, it up over over, over two ten before. I remember this is in a sauna, but I've done interviews in like MMA gyms where they're smaller, like not big gyms and they crank it, you know, cause you, you know, you crank up the heat, you know, you get it warm in there. Like you don't, you, most gyms you walk into aren't with like air conditioning running and like, you know, you want to like get a sweat moving, right? Like just like it would be like on a normal fight. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember where I was. I was at one gym where it was like, I mean, it was unbearably hot in there and I'm wearing like, you know, I'm, I'm wearing like a polo shirt and jeans, you know, I'm dressed to like, you know, like to go to like a media function and I'm just like pouring sweat. I'm like, this is the worst experience in the world. Trying to like talk to people and stay focused. And you're just like sticky hot. And I'm just like, yeah, so I don't know. Maybe the, maybe the sauna is not the best place to, to, to drop some sauce on fighting. Cause about halfway through, I'd be like, fuck this dude. I'm out of here. This is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then now you got to get your equipment back out. Yeah. It's just too much. Yeah. The, but, uh, uh, yeah. I'm not in my gym, but the, the fucking mats get so slippery, man. That's what I think it sucks. Dude. Yeah, you do the do the uh, post sauna podcast. That's what you call it, the post sauna podcast. Maybe that's a better idea. That's what I like it a lot better, man. Yeah, we'll go in there, grind it out, get some cold plunge, some hardcore, some hardcore heat, some uh, steam going. We call that the loyalty, by the way. You know, <laughs> so get some good loyalty going, and then come down the basement and fucking chop it up man yeah how do you get but how do you get coleman to not because coleman is like the most social dude ever like how do you get him to not chop it up in the sauna because he that dude tells stories like in his sleep oh yeah you can't not talk when coleman's <laughs> in there but uh, i just don't i just don't respond as much i just say oh yeah coleman you're right bro yeah, that's it <laughs> yeah that i guy. don't socialize as much Goldman, he's basically the same when he's in the sauna. <laughs> that guy, that guy tells stories in his sleep, dude. I, I remember I was up, this was, this was, I can't remember what camp was for when I came up there to your gym and I was hanging out with you and Mickey Gall was there and like Coleman was there. And like, I, I like, I just was like standing there and Coleman just comes over and, you know, starts talking to me and he just starts telling me stories. Like, no, and there was no, like, there was no, no, like, you know, I didn't ask him a question and I was like, Hey, what's going on, Coley? Like, it was just questions and then boom, stories. I love it. Like that's Coleman, dude. He'll start telling you stories. 
That is a fact. That is a hundred percent Coleman. And <laughs> it's amazing. He never runs out of them either. He's got stories for fucking days and he's a good story. He needs his own podcast. Well, we, I still remember when we did the old podcast back in the day with you, me, him and our, and our buddy, Jeremy Loper, like I still laugh at like all the stories he told during that podcast. Like I remember when he told us the story that he was a member of the Foxcatcher team, the, the the infamous Foxcatcher wrestling team. That I I had no I've known I've known Mark Coleman beyond like being a like I, I I've said this story many many times. Like Mark Coleman was my intro into like becoming a big mixed martial arts fan because when he first started fighting at UFC ten or whatever it was, like I was like oh my god the guy from Ohio State wrestling I knew who he was and I was like oh my god that's awesome and so I became like an even bigger fan of MMA at that point. Um, but when I actually became friends with Mark Coleman, like I know Mark Coleman, I hung out with Mark Coleman, um, he would, he would tell stories, but like, even then I didn't know that story. And like, we were talking about it and he's like, oh yeah, I was on team Foxcatcher. It's like, what, what the fuck? Where'd that come from? And then like, he tells us a little story about being here on Yon DuPont and all that kind of stuff. Obviously people are probably very familiar with the, the movie, the one with, uh, Steve Carell and, uh, and Channing Tatum, which is a very much a true story. Uh, but I had no idea he was part of that team. He's telling us the whole story on the podcast. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, how did I never know this? Like, I never even knew this was a thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I said. His stories are always fresh, too. Like, he's got a million of them, and it's always something fresh. Or even, like, he's part of that uh, Ohio State, you know, thing that's been going on, you know, that terrible shit. But it's like, he just always ends up there somehow. <laughs> Wherever the action is. It's happening. It's a good story. He just ends up there. Yeah, that's Coleman for you. That's Coleman for you. So, yeah, we got uh, – it's kind of a weird time right now in MMA, Matt, because this past weekend we had a UFC card and we had Bellator 300, which was um, – I don't know. Did you watch any of the fights this past weekend? It was kind of a weird one. Like, I know they were both on, but it wasn't like – I don't know. It didn't It didn't feel – it didn't feel like a massive fight weekend, even though Bellator 300 was, like, a big event for them – but we all kind of know the rumors about Bellator potentially being sold, so I don't know. It was a weird one. Did you watch any of the fights this past weekend? I did not watch a single fight this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I went couple, out to Hocking Hills and went hiking. There you go. Couple, couple good ones, you know. Bobby Green knocking out Grant Dawson in 33 seconds was kind of shocking. Chris Cyborg beat Kat Zingano and Bellator. Nothing really surprising there. Usman Nurmagomedov won. Uh, it was, like I said, it was a weird weekend. And then this weekend... We got the UFC event, of course, Sadiq Yusef and Edson Barbosa. And the one I'm really looking forward to is Jonathan Martinez and Adrian Yanez. That's a really fun mm-hmm. fight. But this Saturday, Matt, it all finally happens. It all comes down. Logan Paul versus Dylan Dennis and KSI versus Tommy Fury. Is Dylan Dennis showing up? So apparently Dylan is already in England. He already arrived. He already arrived in England, apparently. Wow, he needs a paycheck, huh? <laughs> Dude, this lawsuit, right. man, he, he might All need right, that money. I like, it. I like it. I like it. Well, I mean, yeah, with all these great UFC fights going on, I mean, nothing compares to <laughs> Dylan Dennis and Logan Paul and KSI <laughs> versus who? Tommy Fury. Yeah, the, Tommy oh, Fury yeah, like, Tommy is the Fury, one guy yeah, you do yeah. know. Yeah, Tommy Fury is the one guy you do know. Yeah, yeah. God, what a shit show, huh? But, <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what, though. Before we even get into that, though, that that Yosef uh, versus Barbosa fight, that's a fucking killer fight, bro. It is. That is a legit, really, really good fight, and I'm glad it's a main event because it deserves to be. Barbosa's been putting his time. He deserves a main event every time. 
and uh, Yosef Sodik, I think is how you say his last name, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dude, this is going to be a great fight, I think. I'm just, I'm really stoked about this fight, man. I don't necessarily have a pick, but uh, I think it's going to be a great fight. It's kind of it's kind of like sneaky good because like they don't necessarily. I mean, Edson's been around forever and fought in like main events before, but Sadiq Youssef is not as well known. But yeah, it should be a really fun one. I really like. I said I really like that Jonathan Martinez Adrian Yanez fight. That's a really fun one. Like I, I don't subscribe to Dana White's philosophy that like you know the whole like you know it's the cards you don't know they end up being the best, but sometimes they do. It's I I do appreciate name value. Like I do. Like I appreciate. You know, putting a, a title fight or a number one contender fight or a, like a ranked guy or a well-known guy at the top of the card, and, and th- that sells it. I do. I understand that, and I appreciate that, and it does draw fan interest. But I do understand sometimes those cards that slip under the radar do end up being fantastic. Like, you know, Yusef and, and uh, Barbosa may not be like a title eliminator or anything like that, but it's a really fun fight. Yes, it's a really fun fight, and... I think it's going to tell us a lot about where both these guys are. I think it's like a proper fight for both of them. It really, uh, I mean, Barbosa, you just, you know what you're going to get a fun fight no matter what. And he's always got to be one of your top five guys to watch fight at any time. I mean, we just, I think all of us fight fans just love watching this guy fight. So, um, you know, but I think it's going to be a huge test for Yosef. And that's what kind of what makes it exciting. Cause I think he, He's going to live up to the test. Uh, whether he wins or not, I don't know. But I think he's going to be on even footing with Barbosa most of the fight. Yeah, I, Barbosa has one of my most memorable knockouts because I was actually in a hotel in Covington, Kentucky. I was going down for, I think it was a concert or something. I can't remember. I was doing something down there. Then I was staying in Covington. And uh, I was working the event where he was fighting Benil Dariush. I was working for my hotel room. And... I was watching the fights on, on the on the TV, and I'm writing on my computer, and I remember he hit the jumping knee. Do you remember that? Knocked out Ed, knocked out Benil Dariush, like did the jumping, like out of nowhere. And I screamed, like I reacted. I was like, oh, shit. And it was so loud, like in the hotel. Like I kind of forgot I wasn't at home, and it was like the loudest reaction. And I'll never forget that because I was like, oh, here comes somebody calling the front desk yelling at me for screaming because, I mean, it, I, I like – yelled i full-on yelled it was just like a natural reaction and i always remember that moment because i was like trying to be quiet in a hotel room at like 10 30 11 at night and then he gets that knee and i'm just like holy shit <laughs> dude he's got some epic knockouts i mean you can't talk about edson barboza knockouts without talking about him knocking out terry edham oh, yeah. uh, i mean that's one of the most legendary knockouts in ufc history that's one of those knockouts you can watch 30 times and it never gets old. Like you could, you could watch it on repeat 30 times, just spam it, yeah. watch it over and over again. It, it's still interesting to watch. Like you're like, how did this happen? And then he does it. He has, I mean, he has a couple of those. He has a couple of those like crazy knockouts out of nowhere. And you're just like, holy crap. Like Barbosa is one of those guys who never quite became a title contender, but you know that dude's going to go in there and scrap and he's going to put on an entertaining fight. And chances are like, at least one out of every three fights he has, you have a chance for like a super highlight reel finish. Yeah. And he's one of those guys that has all the qualities and talent and everything to be a champion. Just, you know, there's a little bit of luck in this sport, right? Like we can't deny it. Like, like there's an aspect of luck. There's an aspect of being right time, right place. There's, 
you know, there's a lot more factors than just, you know, the skills that you're bringing in and, and being able to perform that night. There's just other parts of the puzzle. Edson, like all the stars just haven't aligned for him to be the champion, but I've always felt like he's got all the, the tools and quality and, um, and people forget how highly ranked and highly regarded Terry Edom was at that time. Cause he was sort of a short lived UFC fighter. I, I don't even know what happened to him. I don't know why he didn't uh, stick with things, but um, you know, he was the next big thing at that time. And, and Edson Barboza put a, and stamp on that and say, no, you're not. Yeah. And I don't know how, how much you ever spent, how much time you ever spent around Edson or you know him or not, but like Edson's like the nicest guy in the world too. Not that that makes a difference in what he does as a fighter, but like he is legitimately like one of the nicest people you ever meet in this sport. Yeah. I've, I've spent, uh, I've only just been backstage with him a couple of times, you know, met him in passing and seen him at the PI. Yeah. Very, very nice guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. He always came across like a good dude. You know, I, I wanted to pick his brain at the PI when I was training with uh, beside him one time. I was like, dude, I just, you know, I want to hear a little bit about your style, right? You know, what you're doing, how you're training. Cause I, again, I think he's, he's so highly skilled. I, I think, uh, you know, he'd be at any or other organization, no question, I think. And I think, it, you know, again, right time, right place. Like he's champion in the UFC. It was just, you know, I mean, I think his last, opportunity you know he ran into khabib right <laughs> it's like yeah you, know, you just don't you can't find a worse matchup for him right so there's you know it just it's, his career just has seemed to have always been like that like everything is there but just not the right time and place yeah you could argue you could i i don't i don't i'm not gonna sit here and say like number one but you could argue he's like maybe one of the greatest kickers in mma history like not just because like his leg kicks his head kicks, like just ki his kicking game in general. Like he redefined leg kicking. Like he was, he was crushing people with his leg kicks. Like his kicks are so fast and so nasty. Like, I don't want to put him like a number and say he's number one, but you could put him like, if there's a list of the 10 greatest kickers in MMA history, Edson Barbosa is on that list. Yeah. That, that'd be a pretty cool list to make. We should talk about that sometimes. I mean, you definitely got Aldo. You definitely got, Mirko Krokop, you can't have that list without Mirko Krokop. Um, God, who else? I can't even think of who, who else would be up there. I mean, definitely Aldo. Yeah, Aldo Krokop for the head Thiago kicks. Alves, I mean, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tiago had some had good leg kicks. I'm trying to think. Like you're you're right. Like it's kind of weird. Like um, oh, I mean Justin Gaethje. If you want to talk about just leg kicks, like I mean maybe you don't talk about him in yeah, general, yeah. but his leg kicks are nasty. Um, yeah, like he had, cause like when you start putting together a resume, like I, cause I, listen, I love head kick knockouts as much as anybody, but I, I'm a huge fan of body kick knockouts. And when you can get body kick knockouts, like those are always fun to watch. Uh, leg kick knockouts are always fun to watch. Like just something a little different. Um, yeah, like Gaethje has really nasty leg kicks. Um, I mean, it can Cowboy. Cowboy, he did. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did have good kicks. Yeah, it'd be it'd be a good. It'd be a good list to like break down and like try to figure out who had like the best kicks. Because how could you not put Barbosa near the top of that list though? Like, because he has yeah. everything. Like, he was not like he didn't just have leg kicks. Like, he could do everything. Like, if he throws something at you, it's gonna hurt. Like, whether it hits your head, your neck, your your legs, your chest, your midsection. Like, if he hits you and it lands, it's gonna hurt. And I would definitely put uh, him as having the best switch kick in MMA. Like like his lead switch kick, you know, is, is Bukow style. You know, it's probably the best in MMA, I think. Yeah. Wonder Boy, maybe Wonder Boy's on the list. He's got pretty good kicks. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess not necessarily like round kicks. He's not necessarily a big round kick guy, but I mean, you, yeah, you definitely have to put him up on the list as having a uh, dynamic uh, style of kicking. Um, you know, certainly like his side kicks and kicks, real kicks and stuff, like those got to be up there. So, yeah, no doubt about that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a pretty clear one there. Um, I just had a name I was just thinking of a second ago. It's not coming back to me, but yeah, there's. There's there's a few of them here and there. <laughs> there are there are. You go from the go from the greatest maybe the one of the greatest kickers in mixed martial arts history to um, four of the not best boxers in the world in the, <laughs> in the chaos. I, I, I've I've stopped fighting against this influencer boxer thing, Matt. Like I was at the beginning, I was just like, this is like it's so low level and like. I don't know. It just like it, the skill is not there, but at the same time, like you don't, you don't watch influencer boxing because you think it's going to be high level boxing. You watch it because of the buildup of social media and interviews that are like leading you into a fight. And because a lot of times you have a couple of people in there who aren't that skilled. Sometimes you get like a highlight reel finish. Like when Jake Paul knocked out the basketball player, Nate Robinson, like you get that highlight reel knockout where the guy gets face planted on the canvas, that kind of thing. Like I don't watch these things. I mean, listen, I watch these things because I'm paid to watch these things because it's my job, but I've, I've, I've stopped fighting against it. I guess is what I'm saying. Like I've stopped like t- it's the sanctity of the sport and blah, blah, blah. Like I've just, I don't know. Maybe it's just beating me down and I'm just like giving up, but like, I just have fun with it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't take it for anything more than what it is. Like we've talked about this on the show before, Matt, like when Jake Paul says crazy things, like I'll beat Canelo Alvarez, that's where I lose interest. That's where I lose interest. Cause you're not beating Canelo Alvarez. You're not beating David Benavidez. You're not beating any legitimately good boxer. Stop. Okay. Just stop. But if you want to fight Nate Diaz, you want to fight uh, Dylan Danis, you want to fight, you know, Connor, you want to fight Ben Askren, whatever, I'm, that's fine. Have fun with it. Like, I got no problem with them doing that kind of stuff. Tommy Fury, whatever. You know, just don't make it sound like you have a legitimate chance to beat, like, a really good professional boxer. And we're cool. I don't really care. So I've just kind of, like, stopped fighting against it at this point. Dude, it's got to be embarrassing to be Tommy Fury right now, though, right? Because he was... I'm sure everything in his mind was like, I'm going to be a, a you know, professional going out there for a title and stuff. And now he's become grouped in with a bunch of influence boxers. Right? Like, like that's kind of what you think of him as now. Like he fights, he's, he's the, the step. I don't know if I say stepping. So he's the litmus test for these influential boxers to see if they're actually good enough to be a bro or not. So, you know, it's kind of sucks for him, but you know, when it was like Nate Diaz in there, Tyron Woodley, Ben Askren, guys that I don't know that I guess, like, you, you know, we have respect for and have done good things in combat sports. You know, I have at least a moderate interest. <laughs> but one here where it's like, like Logan Paul, who I, I didn't know a single thing about until he started doing this influencer box. I never heard his name before. Versus Dylan Dennis, who's basically the laughing stock of, of the combat sports world. Like, th- there's nothing interesting there at all to me. And I'm not at all against, we've talked about this before. I am not at all against the influencer boxing. It's like WWE, fun, cool, go do it. 
Logan Paul and Dylan Dennis does jack shit for me. Like I would <laughs> literally rather go watch anybody at my gym spar any day. Than, and I don't get off of that, you know, watching my guy spar at all any day. Right. Like I have amateurs in there that, that suck that I would rather watch. Like KSI, yeah. Tommy Fury. I did. I never heard the name KSI in my life until he started boxing. Yeah, I uh... no interest at all. Not, not, like I'm, I'm actually negative interest in these fights. <laughs> now, to be fair, Dylan Dennis, you got to give props to him. He created some interest in this fight because his Twitter account was one of the funniest things I'd ever seen in my life. Now. More power to uh, what's her name? Nina is that her yeah. name? Yeah, yeah, Nina Agdal. Yeah, I, I feel kind of bad for her because uh, you know who knows you know how she really is in real life and everything. And Logan, you know, apparently they're in love and all this. But Dylan like took trash talk to a fucking another level. Like he just he went out of the trash dump and just pulled out you know the stinkiest, most rot- rancid shit he could find. <laughs> And I'm fucking here for it. I love it. Here's the thing. I I, I, I agree because I like when it came to Dylan Dennis, I'd lost interest in Dylan Dennis about two and a half, three years ago. Like I just like I lost interest in anything he was saying or doing because I was just tired of it. Like I could be this guy. I could be that guy. Like, dude, go fight yeah. somebody. You have you're two and oh against guys who have like a one and eight record or whatever. Like go fight and you know actually build your resume and then maybe i'll believe in you but i i was done with i was so done with it and then this build-up has got me interested again like it's got me back on board to like want to see it and like there's legitimate interest now here's the thing that whole like that that whole like fuck around and find out kind of thing like he has to back it up now he actually is going to step into the boxing ring and listen i don't i don't i don't know like is logan paul certainly not a legitimate boxer like quote unquote like he's boxed but like you know is he really good? No. Um, but dude, now it's time to back it up. But you better you did you you went out of your way to build this fight and actually get people interested. People who probably didn't care, like yourself, got at least a little interested in this whole thing, right? right. Now you, you gotta go out and back it up. Like you gotta go out and fight. And uh we 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 have the joke on the show before, like, you know, violence solves everything. Like now you gotta go out and fight this dude and can you win? And I have no idea. Like, I can't tell you. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to even try to make picks and predictions on this. Like I'll say here, if Tommy Fury loses to KSI, it would be one of the most embarrassing losses ever yeah. because like he actually tries to be a legitimate boxer. And when I talked to him before the Jake Paul fight, I said, you know, is this kind of one and done for you? Because like, he's like, he was going into Jake Paul fight. He's like, I'm the boxer. I represent boxing. And I'm going to show these influencer guys. They don't belong here. And he beat Jake Paul and good for him. But then he signs on to KSI. I'm like, hold on now. Weren't you like the serious boxing guy? Like what happened to I'm representing boxing. And now you're fighting another influencer. Hey, hey, but- hey, to be fair, he didn't beat Jake Paul handedly either. <laughs> right. He just, he beat Jake Paul. He didn't destroy Jake Paul. <laughs> Yeah, he he split decisioned him. He, it wasn't like he went out there and knocked him out inside three rounds or anything crazy like that. So, um, 
Like that would be incredibly embarrassing for him and his family. No offense. Like that. Like Tyson Fury does not want to go into his own fight week against Francis and Ganu of all people and hear about his brother getting knocked up by KSI. Uh, that would be rather embarrassing for a guy who is like selling himself as like a legitimate boxer. Um, but like Logan Paul Dylan Dan, I was like, I don't know. I don't. I have no expectations of what this fight's going to look like. But I do know. For Dylan Danis, you talked all that shit. You better go in there and like at least make it entertaining because if you go in there and look terrible or you get knocked out, dude, like it all comes back around because like that's where it all but maybe maybe Dylan I mean Dylan was trained with Alex Pereira. Maybe he's legitimately gotten ready and he's gonna go out there and knock out Logan Paul. I have no idea. I can't I can't have no fucking clue what's gonna happen. When was the last time Dylan competed in anything? Like four years ago? Yeah, so he's gonna have well, I would call it ring rust, but like it's got to be metal to rust. And I'm not sure he was ever like a blade of metal to start with. But so I don't know if you call it rust or just, you know, not used to being, I don't know a better way to say it. But, uh, you know, it's like there's going to be a lot of eyeballs out there. And if you're not mentally prepared for that, again, it, it, it regardless of the skill set, like you have to be mentally prepared for that. Like this is, he put the pressure on himself, you know? So again, and more power to him. I like, like fucking good for him. He sold it. He got us emotionally a little bit into this fight. Cause now I don't necessarily want to watch because of, well, I'm certainly not watching because of the skill of the fight, but now I don't want to watch because I really even care who wins. But after one of them wins, like there's going to be a shit show go on. <laughs> Right, like, 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 there's gonna be some shit go down. Like, they, they might take off the glove and fight. There might be fucking uh, riots or you know corners fighting. Like, this could get really exciting. <laughs> and that is the real interesting part here, not yeah. the fucking fight. Let me can I ask you about like you've never been like a big trash talker in your career. Like you'll you'll talk about a fight and you'll give your honest opinion and just like when we talk about the podcast, but you've never been like in your own career. You're the guy who goes out there and you're a savage in the cage. Like you've never been much into the trash talk thing. And I know you really haven't gotten into that too much with opponents either. Like that's never really been your thing. But I'm curious the guy who's been around the sport as long as you have, like Guys, because we've seen it, guys like trash talk and they get the attention. How big, like how big or how big or small is this for Dylan to go out there and like win or at least make a good showing for himself after all this? Like he got you emotionally, a little bit emotionally invested into want to watch this or at least see what's going to like, when I say watch this, I mean like we all want to see what actually happens, like what all unfolds as you just said, right? But like all the stuff he did, a lawsuit filed against him, restraining orders, all this kind of crazy shit, like does he have to go out there and at least like make it interesting to like live up to all the shit he's talked like, or do we care? Like at this, like do we even care at this point? So I think some fighters do put like some external pressure on themselves with that. Like, a, you know, like a Colby Clinton who's talking trash about me this week. I don't even know if you want to call it trash talk, but you know, he's saying some awkward shit that didn't make sense. Um, I think some guys do put that pressure on themselves. Um, but like, I don't know what, I don't know if Dylan feels that pressure. Cause I don't even give a fuck. I don't know if he's just liking the attention. Cause, cause this guy is like so used to just, he's gotta be, he has to be so used to just being the laughing stock. Like, 
like he, I, I, when you look back on his uh, posts and Instagram, I haven't followed him for a long time, but every now and then, like, you know, Gordon would talk shit about him or something. Then and you would look and he, like this dude like brings it on himself. It's almost like he embraces, you know, being a fucking the clown of the sport. You know, so I don't know if he's going to feel that pressure or if he doesn't even care if he goes in there and gets knocked out looking like a fucking idiot. I don't know if he will. You get, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't no, know. No, I, I, I do. And, you know, it's funny you say that because like, about him. I don't know if he has like, I, I don't know if he has that respect for himself. It's funny you say that. And, and obviously skill level wise, like it's not comparable, but like his mentor, whatever you want to call it, is his friend, Conor McGregor, like Conor. Now, Conor's, of course, legitimately a good fighter. Let me be clear about that. Like, he's not Dylan Danis. But even Conor, like, when he walked, when he went out there and got, like, you know, he got dog-walked by Habib. Like, Habib, like, that was, like, epic trash talk to the point where it got uncomfortable. Like, where he was saying stuff about his wife and stuff, and it just, like, it almost crossed the line of, like, where it stopped being funny and just went, like, whatever. Anyways, Khabib went out there and demolished him I and mean, beat him you know knocked him down on the feet choked him out on the, i mean it was once one-way traffic from start to finish and after that you think like that would be it right like he just absolutely just demolished conor mcgregor but about a month later conor started talking shit again and now to this day conor's like oh he retired to avoid fighting me again now is that true absolutely not khabib was never scared of conor if they fought tomorrow and Khabib hasn't really trained and Connor's doing whatever he's doing. I still would pick Khabib to dog walk him a second time, a third time, a fourth time. Connor's not beating Khabib Nurmagomedov. I don't think that's ever going to happen, but he kind of spun the narrative then, right? Like he's like, Oh, he's avoided me. He's this. So I Garrett, you're, you're absolutely right. If Logan Paul goes out, let's say he knocks out Dylan Dennis. He's going to, afterwards, he's going to make, I was gone for four years. I slipped on the ring. I had a bad weight cut. I ate some bad shellfish the night before the fight. Let's do it again, you bitch. Like, that, like, it's, he's, it's almost like he's impervious to, like, you know, like the reality of who he is. Like, he's talking, like, he was talking last week or whatever, talking about he's going to beat Leon Edwards and Colby Covington. And I'm like, uh, dude, you have two MMA wins and neither one is that impressive. Like, let's slow down on this. But that just seems to be who he is. Like, he just seems to not care that people look at him as a joke and he just runs with it. Like, he just, like, it's just like he accepts it and embraces it. Yeah, that's kind of what I was saying. So I don't know if he actually gives a fuck if he wins or loses this fight or not. Like, like he's like used to be in, he, he's comfortable with being the laughing stock. He's comfortable with people, you know, not thinking anything of him, and he kind of embraces it. And he has a huge, uh, like you seen him on Ariel show on Ariel Hawaii show, like Ariel saying the shit to him and kind of talking down to him a little bit. And he's like, like Dylan was like bringing it on himself like embracing it. And it's so strange to me. Like he has no uh, dignity or self-respect for himself. And, you know, maybe, maybe he's getting, making good money doing, and maybe just kind of, you know, embracing that character for that. But, um, you know, I wasn't brought up that way, man. Like you fucking respect yourself and you hold your, your head up high and you, you know, you fight for who you are. And uh, I think he's just brought up different, man. So yeah, it's, it kind of makes you a bit in the fight because it makes you think like Logan's probably just going to go fuck this dude up. And, um, you know, and, and then what's Logan going to do? He's going to be like, Oh, I fucked you up. So, 
you know, you can't be talking shit about my wife. And, and then Dylan's going to go back and post more shit about his wife. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like this isn't, this isn't actually solving this fucking narrative that they've built up about like, you know, you know, we're, we hate each other. We're going to fight each other. And like, there's not going to be any, that's it. one of the big differences. in I think, you know, particularly in the UFC, when you look at the trash talk, um, you know, these guys say all this shit before the fight, but after the fight, I say 90% of the time, like guys are hugging and saying, I respect you. Right. Like I, and that's, what's kind of lost here in a fight like this is, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. Right. Like there is no mutual respect. There is no like, like honor. There's no uh, martial dignity going on here. It's just, it's just a shit show. I don't know, it makes me lose interest. Yeah. Well, on, um, the, on the reverse, though, we talk about Logan. Like We talk about Dylan Danis not really caring. Dude, you're Logan Paul. You cannot lose to Dylan Danis. You cannot lose to Dylan <laughs> Danis. That would, be the, that would be the worst thing in the world to happen to that guy. Yeah, right. Like, like dude, just shit all over your wife, and then uh, you're suing him, and then he beats your ass. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah, that, that's a bad look right there. <laughs> Beloved brands know customer relationships are everything. That's why over 130,000 trust Clavio to power smarter digital relationships across their websites, emails, SMS, and reviews. And now there's Clavio AI, your guide to smarter insights, decisions, work, and results. Brands like Everyman Jack trust Clavio AI to personalize product recommendations that keep customers coming back. Discover Clavio AI at clavio.com slash box. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com backslash box. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, dude, you mentioned you mentioned Colby, which was hilarious. So here, I, so I'm not going to talk too much on this with the Colby things. Obviously, we talked about Colby last week, and then Colby loses his mind. You know, it's funny if you actually if you actually listen to our show and you read the actual article. Like, listen, I know people get mad about headlines, and they're like, "Well, you didn't say you can't fit everything in a headline. You can't. Like, I can't. You can't fit everything said into a, in a hour and a half podcast into one headline." But the funny thing is, if Kobe had actually taken five minutes to just read the article and or listen to the podcast, I would say 90% of what you said about Colby Covington was positive. He's a bad matchup for Leon Edwards. I think he's got a great chance to win this fight. We just talked about the reality is if he didn't win, you know, is he going to be willing to climb that ladder again for a fourth title shot? And you said, and I tended to agree with you when you said it, like, I don't know if he'll ever fight again. And I was like, you know what? You're probably right. Cause like, you know, I don't see him going through the Shavcats of the world to get back to a title shot. But what's funny is, is he lost his mind because he obviously saw the headline. But the funny thing is if he actually read it, 
He'd probably be like, oh, Matt Brown, that's my guy. He had my because you actually said mostly positive things about him uh, in terms of the fight itself. So it always cracks me up because it's like, dude, you're like cutting off your nose. You're cutting off your own nose to spite your own face like that kind of thing. Like, dude, like this was a guy who actually had your back in terms of like the matchup. Like he actually said you're a bad matchup for Leon Edwards. But you just saw the one headline and you freaked out. And I'm like, that's how you know he didn't actually read or listen to what was said he just saw a headline and it's like oh i'm gonna react to the headline without actually knowing what was said well i'm guessing it was an interview and probably what uh, i'm i'm guessing it was i i don't know the uh context i just seen uh a, you know a little bit of him talking about me but uh they were probably asking him right you probably setting it up too i'm guessing but well no he know. actually uh, he actually brought it up he actually brought it up on his own i watched the interview because i was curious he uh, okay. actually he's the one who actually brought it up oh interesting why didn't he bring you up and call you trailer trash i don't know because i nobody knows who <laughs> i am they're not yeah they don't care about me you know he cares about me so i know i just uh, play i just play it but the uh he, the the problem was also like he wasn't even really offensive towards me like <laughs> like Connor's really good at be at, at firing guys up because he says like even if they're like half truths, like there's some truth to it in there. Right. Like Colby basically just made shit up. Like like I'm trailer trap. Actually <laughs> like I'm, I'm not. <laughs> so it's like, I, am I supposed to take offense to that? Like you can call anybody trailer trash or, or he said something like my wife or something. It's like, well, I'm not married. So like, I don't know if I'm supposed to take offense to that. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So I wasn't really sure what to even think about it because I just didn't even really feel offended. Um, other than, you know, I think if he hears like a name, someone like speak his name and uh, they may, or like, I don't know, if someone speaks his name out loud, it's like, okay, I, my character talks shit. So I have to talk shit right now. That dude said me. Um, so yeah, it didn't really offend me, but, uh, to be fair. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to fight the motherfucker if he's really got a problem with me. So if he's really got a problem, like let's settle in the cage, motherfucker. I'm down. Let's go. Yeah. It's funny. To, it, like, it's almost like he can't, he can't accept a compliment because that would be out of character, right? Like he has to be offended. He has right. to talk shit. Like he can't, he can't let, he can't like accept, like there was actually a, like compliments paid to him and his potential performance against Leon. I was the one who said, I, I thought Leon Edwards would win. I actually said that. I was like, I think Leon Edwards, you know, from, That's what I said, why did he talk trash about you? But like, I don't think he could, but I also like, I and respect. To be fair, I, I think, I think also to be fair, if we well, got to compare the two of us here, <laughs> who was closer to trailer trash, me or you? What? I mean, you have a bigger house than me. I guess that counts. I guess that's true. So we both grew up. We both grew up in. We both grew up in in small town Ohio, and I don't think either one of us are like racing to go back there necessarily. Uh, so, well, I'm, that, no, that's what I'm saying. So, like, okay, we both like who grew up more trailer trash. Oh, I definitely grew up more trailer trash. One hundred percent. I know I did. One, I didn't live in a trailer, oh, but really? I definitely. Oh yeah, dude, my family was poor as hell, man. We were on welfare growing up. We, uh -huh. Oh yeah, yeah. We were, we were, we were living on government I cheese. Was, and, I wasn't sure. I wasn't yeah. saying it'd be mean to you. I was legitimately curious, like which one of us would actually be closer. And, probably, probably he didn't say nothing about you. And I was like, I was like, dude, Damon probably said worse things than I did. 
<laughs> I just, I, oh, it, but here's just the thing. you under the bus here, Dame. Throw me, throw me right under. Yeah, yeah, I don't, like I said, but like, here's the weird thing. Like, I, I don't, like, I've, I've gotten to know Colby, not the character. And when people hear me say this, they're always like, you know, whatever. But I'm just like, Colby's actually like a legitimately kind of a nice guy. Like when I've talked to him and he's not being Colby Covington on camera, Colby Covington, he's like, a, he's like a actually like a nice dude. Like he's, you know, and I get it. It's a character. I get it. I don't, I don't fault him for making that character. Like I, whatever gets you attention and Hey, he's getting a third title fight when he really didn't necessarily earn it. Do I care? No, I don't care. Good for him. Like, I don't care. Whatever. But he's getting it because of the character. He's not getting it because he went in there and beat Gilbert Burns's ass and he beat Bilal Muhammad's ass and he beat Shavkat Rekmanov. Like, he's getting it because Colby's one of the biggest names in the sport and good for him. I, I Whatever. I don't care. Like, that's fine. But, and I'll say this legitimately. I like, he's actually like off, off camera. Colby's actually a pretty nice guy. Um, he's playing a character and good for him. I don't care. It doesn't bother me. Uh, but it's like, like I said, I think that you zero in on when someone says something slightly negative, but you can't take the compliment and actually spin that. Cause if he had come on and said, you know, Matt Brown had my back. He said, I'm a very you know bad fight for Leon Edwards and I have a great chance to win this fight. That doesn't sell his character. That doesn't say that didn't get that right. didn't get clicks. That didn't get people to click on the headline. It's when he says, you know, trailer trash and whatever else. That's you know, that's like it's just like the the way of the world. Like negative stories always get more attention than positive. Like I like I've written a lot of positive stories about guys who have turned their lives around or or you know, guys who were in the military or guys who like you know, guys who have like really positive affirmation kind of stories. They never do as well as the guy who is like shit talking an opponent or saying some crazy shit. That's just the way of the world. Like that's just the nature of humanity. Um so Colby can't take a compliment and say, man, Matt Brown, man, you really had my back. Thanks, dude. I appreciate that. Because that's not his character. He can't do that. Right. And, you know, the the problem he has there is, you know, the character that he built up. Well, the, the man, Colby Covington, has to go in there and fight the motherfuckers. So, <laughs> you know, again, he talk all the shit that he wants, you know, and um, again, that man will have to uh, live up to that. And, you know, so if he wants to talk that shit about me, like, I'll just fight him. Like, I'm I'm very, very comfortable with, with that. Uh, you know, and that's why I retired anybody really in the past, right? Like, I've never really been a trash talking guy. I'm like, I'm like, you know, you can say whatever you want, but we have to fight. And that's when the truth is going to come out. And, um, you know, that's just the way I've always lived my life. And uh, even like when I was in high school and I would get in um, uh, brawls or whatever, like I got a lot of fights in high school, but these guys would talk shit and like, I wouldn't say anything. I'd be like, Dude, like with the moment you cross the line, like we're just fighting. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to mention it to you that we're fighting. I'm not going to, you know, talk shit about your mom or, you know, the pants you're wearing is like, no, you cross the line. Like we're just fighting. That's all there is to it. And when I've always been. So here's, I'm kind of scared now. You keep inviting me over to go to the sauna. Are you like secretly setting up a fight because I make fun of you for golfing? Is that like what you're doing right now? Like you're setting me up to get my ass kicked. Is that what you're doing right now, Matt? Well, that's what I, I might hit you with the <laughs> golf club. Then. <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, I, I get the feeling that see you're a good speaker, David. So I I feel like you'd be able to talk your way out of it before <laughs> it got to right. <laughs> you come over here, you know that you'd say you know look, uh, 
you have a, I guess you have a better golf swing than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, 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 I listen. Oh, yeah, thank you, Damon. I know a lot. I know a lot of people who golf. I just never picture Matt Brown as a golfer. I just like I can like I see you as like the Viking guy who's like holding like a you know a, a, a you know a meat slaughter backyard party. You know we're gonna cook up meat on the barbecue and like have it going to a Slayer concert. I just never picture you golfing. It's still I still to this day cannot wrap my head around it. I, I have no problem with it. I'm just saying like it still boggles my mind because I'm used to like Matt Brown the metal badass and I'm like golf. Matt Brown, the golfer. All right. Uh. Well, trust me, Damon. It fucking boggles my own goddamn mind. <laughs> I think I've been out there on the golf course with my son, and I'm like, how the fuck did my life get to this? <laughs> like, I, I was I was in a fucking cage in front of a million people a couple months ago. Here, what am I doing out here on this fucking course? Oh my god! Yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I like I said, those dude, are just, the things that we do for our kids, bro. That's right? true. That's true. You I do, do it for the next generation, for the youth. <laughs> I'll, I'll do anything. I'll even go golfing. Speaking of the next generation, real quick, I wanted to mention this to you. So I did an interview today, uh, this weekend. Uh, beyond the fights we've talked about, uh, Pat Militich is returning against Mike Jackson. They're fighting this weekend. And uh, and one of the other guys who's debuting in that card is a kid named Brandon Mills. Now that mean that name probably doesn't mean anything to a lot of people, but Brandon Mills is the son of UFC Hall of Famer Matt Hughes, and he's actually making his pro debut this weekend. I talked to him today, oh, wow. and uh, yeah, he's he's like 21, 22, trains on American Top Team. You know, very his dad's going to be in his corner uh, for this weekend. So yeah, Matt Hughes' son is making his debut this weekend. Oh, fucking cool. Why, why is his last name Mills? That's weird. His but, mom's last name. Yeah, it's just his mom's last name. For like, you know, they were split up or whatever. Yeah, well, so yeah. That's strange, yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's fucking, uh, that is cool, man. That is very cool. It's cool to see Matt Hughes up and moving. That's cool. That he'll be in his corner. Uh, wow. You know, it's cool to see, you know, I hope Militich's life is doing good. But, you know, I think it's cool to see him out there fighting, man. You know, and, and he's fighting, uh Mike fucking Jackson. <laughs> but yeah, that's, I think that's pretty cool. You know, like Matt, Matt, Pat Militich is a fucking legend, man. So I think that's pretty cool, man. I'm, I'm very, I think it's very cool to see. Where is, is that in Iowa? All this yeah, it's, it's in Iowa. Yeah. That's fascinating. There's a guy coming out of my gym that's going to be fighting on that card, I believe. Oh, really? Caged aggression, I think is what it's called. Yes, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. My guy's yeah. going to be fighting on that. And, uh, He's from from Militich's gym. He was saying, um, you know, he didn't ask any of us to come corner him or anything because it's like a second amateur fight or something. He's like, you know, you guys don't have to come drive eight hours for my fucking second amateur fight. (laughs) He used to train out out in Iowa. So, yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool, man. That's very cool to hear, especially about Matt Hughes. It's very cool. I I love seeing him do it. Yeah, I was actually telling a story to his son today because, like, when I covered Matt during his career – Matt was like the most super serious stoic dude during fight week. Like you, like he didn't crack a smile. It was business, always business. And like, he was like almost to the point where you're like almost afraid to approach him. Cause he always looked like he's just so focused and almost like irritated to have to deal with like media and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, he's just like, he's just like, he's Matt Hughes. 
I'll never forget a couple of years ago when the UFC was doing their 20th anniversary thing, they did a um, uh, thing at the Cleveland Clinic up here in Ohio, and they invited me to go along on the tour. And it was it was Stipe, Jessica I, and Matt Hughes were the fighters, and they invited me to come along as media to like cover the Cleveland Clinic or whatever. And I'd never really been around Matt Hughes when it wasn't like fighting Matt Hughes, like when he wasn't like getting ready for a fight. And, dude, he was one of the funniest, like, told jokes, and, like, he was cracking jokes all day. And then I think that was right before he was going in the UFC Hall of Fame, and so we were at dinner. We went to lunch, and we were finishing up. I was like, hey, Matt, I'd love to grab some time with you. And I was, like, waiting for him to be, like, you know, disinterested. He's like, oh, dude, of course. We talked for, like, 30 minutes. It was, like, the nicest guy. It was just so weird for me because I had never been around Matt when he wasn't fighting. And so it was just like, he was just in his own element. Funniest dude, making jokes, like down to earth. It was hilarious. Like he was cracking jokes all day, just absolutely cracking me up. And I was telling his son that, and he's like, that's my dad. He's like, that's exactly who he is. He's like, he is like focused, serious man when it's fight time. But when you get him outside of that, he's funny, jokes. Like, he just, it was so funny to me because I'd never been around him when it, when it wasn't a fight week. And when it wasn't, like, dude, he's just like the funniest. Like, he cracked jokes, and he's just having a good old time. And, uh, yeah, I was like, this is not the Matt Hughes I was used to knowing during his fight career. But he's like the nicest, funniest guy ever. That's awesome, man. I love Matt Hughes, so... And it still, have, to this day, probably the best walkout song in the history of the UFC. I, I, I can't think of a better one, man. Like, it was just epic, specific, to, perfect for him. I'm not sure if there's a better one. Yeah, the only one that the only one that comes to mind only because of the nickname and everything was when Uriah Faber used California Love. I always liked that one as the California kid walking out to the California Love song. I always thought that was a good one too. But you're right, Matt Hughes had an epic one with the uh, the Country Boy. That was his song, and he stuck to it. I like I like when fighters stick to their walkout song. You know, maybe some of them have Jamie Jasta from Hatebreed make them a walkout song. But uh, I appreciate when fighters have a, a signature walkout song. I thought you were going to say Anderson Silva because, you know, his was was fucking epic, too. Uh, but, you know, perfect song for his personality and everything. But I, I just can't think of a more fitting song for Matt Hughes than that song. And I, maybe maybe it's also a little bit of retro in me where just that time of the UFC when there was a fight every three or four months and when Matt Hughes was fighting, it was a big fucking thing. And, like, when he fought BJ Penn specifically, you know, those – I think it was the second fight uh, that I'm thinking of where it, it just sent chills down your spine, you know, watching those two guys walk out there and you're like, dude, this is the baddest dude on the fucking planet right now. Do you remember when he fought Hayato Mock Sakurai? Do you remember that fight back in the day? Oh, yeah. He was, yeah, he oh, was, yeah. That was, dude just pummeled him, dude. It was like Hughes was just mauled him. I was like, God damn. Yeah, yeah. Sakurai was my dude. I used to, yeah, I remember. Yeah, Hayato Mock Sakurai. That's like when one of those. Fought, that's was, like one of the. Yeah. That's like one of those names people today don't remember. Hayato Sakurai, but like he was, he was a badass. Like he was an absolute oh, badass. Oh yeah, yeah, he was a fucking stud, man. Um, he, you know, uh, when BJ the second time, I, that's when at least what I remember from my circle here in Columbus, where I was, you know, I was kind of the beginning of my career fighting and stuff, but I felt like it was around that time where the wrestlers had come into the UFC and kind of started dominating. And then there was the jiu-jitsu guys that were kind of the outliers. And it was, to me, it was kind of the epitome of the wrestler versus um, 
uh, jujitsu, you know, and uh, I don't know. It, it just it really stuck out to me, like because it was still it was one at, right at the tail end of sort of that martial art versus martial art thing, you yeah. Know? And then I think the third member may just knock him out you know and it didn't you know it wasn't either one of them but i felt like it was still kind of that you know wrestler versus jiu-jitsu thing and that was to me that was a really special time in history and it felt extra special back then because i remember I, I watched that fight with a bunch of jiu-jitsu guys and i was like dude the fucking jiu-jitsu ain't gonna do shit against the <laughs> wrestling you know um, i don't know if it was like that for other people but i feel like i felt that sense at that time 100 percent. yeah and i remember um like those fights, you know, what's funny about that is, is that like BJ Penn and Matt Hughes had like a really crazy kind of, I mean, I would say like when I say rivalry, like just com- competition wise, but now yeah. they're like great friends. Like BJ is going to be like, his son told me that he knew his dad was like, he knew his dad was a fighter when he was a kid, but it was like, he was like 12 years old and his dad took him to Hawaii because BJ was opening a new gym and Matt was there as like a guest. Cause Matt and BJ became like really close friends after they fought. And he flew out there meeting BJ Penn. Like he he started to understand like who his dad was, like the fame and everything, like how good he was as a fighter. And uh and he met BJ and like BJ's gonna be there commentating the fight this weekend in Iowa. And uh he's like super excited because Matt's gonna be in his corner and then BJ's gonna be commentating and he's known D BJ his entire life. So like BJ and Matt Hughes have become like super close friends, like over the years. Like they're like super close now, which I think is awesome. So that, that's so funny you said that. So I fought on the card where uh, the third fight. I was on. I don't remember who I fought. I don't remember where it was at or. Um, it was anything. it was Auburn Hills, Michigan, Matt Brown, because I was there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I fought on that card, and I still remember. So after the weigh-ins, you know, Dana brings all the fighters backstage and gives them a pump-up speech. You know, tells them about fire of the night. Tells you not to cuss on TV and not to. Um, you know, uh, not to jump over the cage, you know, all, all the standard stuff. Right. And I remember BJ and Matt were having a legit conversation. Like they're about to fight the next night. And they I remember BJ something to Matt about, like, you know, how, how's the beans doing this year, Matt, you know, like talking about his farming. <laughs> and I was just so thrown off. Like these guys were legit friends just sitting there getting ready to fight the next day. And, and, and you know, coming from, the two of them coming from such different worlds too, you know, really threw you off. Especially not only just them, the fact that they're fighting the next night, but they're, you know, they seem like two very, very different people. So it, it, it kind of was a eye opener for me in the sense that, you know, you can do this and you can be cool with your opponent and you can go out there and look her out and then have a drink afterward and then be great friends later. Yeah. It's funny. The last time I saw Matt, uh, was at the UFC event in Detroit when he, when, uh, Alistair Overeem fought Francis Ngannou and Max Holloway fought Jose Aldo. And I was backstage in the media room and Matt came back there with BJ and Dan Lambert from American top team. And they sat down right across from me because I knew B I've known, I've known BJ for, I mean, 
many, many, many years. Like, I, I know Matt too. Like I've known Matt and I've been around Matt a lot, but I've been around BJ more. Like I was in Hawaii for Rumble on the Rock. Like I've known BJ forever. And so BJ saw me and BJ came over and was like, hey, Damon, what's going on? Like we shook hands. And so they ended up sitting right across from me. It's like a, almost like a cafeteria style sitting, you know what I mean? So like they sat right across from me. And of course, everyone flocks over to BJ Penn and Matt Hughes and they're just sitting there chilling and talking and I'm like, you know, hanging out. But it was just like really cool to see like how close they still are to this day. Like they just came in together like they were there at the event and they came backstage they're just like chilling and hanging out and it was just so cool to see them together i took a photo you can probably find on my instagram from years ago uh but yeah i took a photo of them sitting there together and uh yeah like that's the last time i saw them that was like 2018 uh and i saw them together and they were just best of friends man just hanging out together yep and then uh matt hughes had his accident and now it looks like he's doing pretty well now uh at least getting back to normalcy. So I'm really happy to see him back out there um, moving around and speaking a little bit better now. And uh, the fact that he's going to be at his son's corner, that, that's pretty cool to see, man. Yeah, I was excited. Like I said, his son was super excited. He's going to be there in his corner and everything. I was like, that's awesome. Because he trains an American top team uh, down in Florida, and his dad's going to be in his corner. I was like, that's awesome, man. In Iowa, you know, kind of like going home. I mean, you know, that's kind of a cool idea. So, yeah, caged aggression yeah. this weekend, another fight going on this weekend. And, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think it'll be fun. Brandon seemed like a good kid. Like, I never talked to him before, but he seemed like a good dude and had his head on his shoulders. And um, it's like two weeks in a row, because like two weeks ago, I spoke to um, Biagio Ali Walsh, the kid who fights in PFL, who's Muhammad Ali's grandson. And they had similar perspectives yeah. because like, you know, he's got a, he's got like Brandon Mills doesn't have his dad's last name, so he doesn't quite have the spotlight. But, you know. Biagio was saying like yeah like some people look at me and like they only see my grandfather and I get it like he's like the most I would argue Muhammad Ali is like the most famous combat sports athlete ever you know across any combat sport and when you have the name Ali in your name like you know and he's like yeah he's like it's you know it's it's difficult but you know I I, I understand what my grandfather did and I appreciate it and uh, you know now it's my time to honor the family name and you know carry on the legacy and like it's big, man. Like, it's big. Like, when you have the name, when you're Muhammad Ali's grandson or your Matthew's son, like, that means something. Yeah, those are big shoes to fill. And it's, I, I'd be interested to talk to those guys someday because I, uh, like, my own son wants to be a fighter, you know, and he, he does a lot of tournaments, like, jujitsu so far mainly, but he's starting to wrestle this year. And um, I feel like he kind of feels a lot of that pressure, you know, and um, obviously not on the level of Ali or anything, but, um, yeah, be interested to pick their brains on, you know, what that was that like being a kid, you know, having those shoes to fill. Yeah, it's interesting because, and I said this to Brandon when I spoke to him today, like, we're just like, we're just like, because MMA is still such a young sport, like, it just started like the first UFC is in 93. So, we're just now kind of in that era where fighters who have been around are having their kids fight in MMA like of the age now you know what I mean like you know, obviously Matt Hughes has been retired for a long time so his son is like of that age like obviously your kid's not gonna fight you know tomorrow like it's gonna be several years down the road but like we're getting to that point where fighters of that earlier era like before your era are having kids coming into the sport and and obviously the next generation will be like your kids like you know if they fight but it is weird because, like, in football, it's just regular. Like, football, like, I see it all the time. Like, kids who, you know, who had dads played in the NFL, and they play in the NFL. Their granddads played in the NFL. Like, it's been around that way for years. And MMA and the UFC, we're just now starting to get to that point where fighters' kids are old enough to follow in their father or eventually maybe in their mother's footsteps. Uh, right now, only father's. 
But uh, yeah, it's a weird thing because like we're just it's different. Like we're not really used to that in the sport. Like it's just now getting to that point where there's like 18, 19, 20 year old kids who can follow what their dad did as like a UFC legend or whatever, a pride legend or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like it's it's a, it's a different thing. Like it's not something we've really experienced a lot. Yeah. Has there been any uh, kids so far? I can't think of any. I can't think of any. I mean, usually it's always been siblings. It's always been brothers, you know, or sisters, you know what I mean? Like we see that a lot, but yeah, I don't, I can't think of any that I can think of like fathers and sons um, off the top of my head. Anyways, I can't think of any. So yeah, we're just now like starting to see where that might be a thing. Like we're actually going to see some, cause like Frank Mir's daughter is a total badass and she's fighting. Like she's a, um, she, like she's like good lord man that girl's gonna be a champion one day um she's one who's doing yeah. it and then and then obviously Anderson silva's son yeah he's he's doing boxing gabe gabe silva he's doing it so yeah we're starting to see it more and more but yeah we haven't really it's, it's just now kind of like happening you know what i mean like we're actually seeing kids of that age do it yeah i was trying to think um uh, i feel like there's some that have been good wrestlers but haven't really went to MMA yet, but I don't, I don't know. I just, yeah, there would actually be one, you know, I mean, we've been around long enough. There could be one, but I can't even yeah. think of one. I can't. Maybe my son will be the first. There you go. Let me ask you this, Matt, real quick. Cause I asked, I asked Brandon this and I said, did your dad, like, how was he about you becoming a fighter? And he laughed and he's like, no, 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 he didn't want me. He didn't want me to fight. He didn't want me to get into fighting. He said, if you do it, I'll support you and I'll help you. Like, I'll make sure you get the right path. You get the right people, blah, blah, blah. But he didn't want him to fight. He wanted him to go to college and become a doctor, lawyer, whatever, you know, that kind of thing. How are you? Like, cause your son's still pretty young, obviously. Like, are you okay with him being a fighter? Or are you like in the back of your head or like, I kind of hope he doesn't become a fighter. Cause I understand like it's, it's a, it's a difficult life. Like there's no guarantees in the sport. Like you don't, you don't just get to the UFC and make hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like there's no guarantee of that. So like, I know a lot of the parents are like, oh, I don't want my kid. Like Frank Muir said that Frank's like, I didn't want my daughter to fight. I, I discouraged her from fighting. I thought maybe going to wrestling or whatever, but you know, she wanted to do it. And so now I support her. Um, for me, I encourage my kids uh, to be martial artists. That that's the part that I actually encourage. And then I say, look, if you'd like to test your martial art and fighting, you know, again, that's up to you. So I'm kind of on the same thing. Uh, but I also look at my job and my role and my response adult or as a father is to build strong, durable, resilient, responsible adults. I'm in the adult making business. I don't, I don't like any parent that, that tries to kind of manipulate or force or or force feed or, or towards one direction or another, um, unless they have like a real affluence for that, you know? So like, like my son, for instance, is, is pretty good. Um, I don't know if he has the talent to be like a world champion. So I wouldn't never like push him that way. Um, uh, but in, in the same way, you know, I would let him, uh, I would, I'm not going to do anything else either. Right. Again, my job is to make them responsible, resilient, durable, strong adults, and, uh, you know, have honor and respect and, you know, learn how to treat women and things like that. So I don't look at it as my responsibility by any stretch um, to decide their fate. Um, but, but again, I, I encourage the martial arts and the lessons from them. 
And I encourage them to test themselves and push themselves um, in everything that they do. Yeah. Um, my son just happens to like fighting. He's only 12 years old. So uh, yeah, I think, you know, that could obviously like change any day also. So I'm um, going out and competing. I love going out, pushing himself. And I support that fully in the martial arts. Um, if he decides, you know, when he's 18, that he wants to be a fighter, uh, I will support it. But I'll also be very, very clear about the downfalls and the pitfalls of this sport and what, and let him know very clearly what he's getting into. Um, like for instance, we have a, a kid at my gym right now who's 16 and this kid wants nothing more than to be a fighter. He's one of the hardest working kids I know. Um, he's going to be a fucking prodigy. Like I'd put him up against uh Rosas junior right now. Like I, I think he would be beat him today. Um, he just did his first kickboxing match over the weekend. He won. He's done multiple grappling championships, uh, uh, won multiple grappling championships at local level, like uh, Naga and grappling industries, things like that. He's um, went to States for wrestling. Um, he beat the state champion during the season. Like he could have been a state champion and didn't end up winning. Um, anyway, like a kid like that, that has that much talent and has a legit chance of being like a world champion. You know, if my son ends up in a a situation like that, you know, I think it's, it would also be, um, you know, it'd be a poor decision, not that, right? <laughs> like if that's what they're, if that's what they're gravitating towards and that's where all their talent lies, right? My other son, for instance, is a huge golfer. That's why I golf now. I help him out all I can, support him all I can for golfing. My daughter has, wants nothing to do with none of that, <laughs> right? So I support her, you know, in, in that right so that's uh, that's a long answer um but hopefully that makes sense no it does no it does and i'm sure like i said i'm sure your daughter comes to you one day and says you know i want to be a you know i want to go to college and become an engineer yeah i'm sure you'd be just as proud of her as you are your son who wants to be a fighter like that's the goal as a parent like support them i don't have kids but like i understand the mentality you want to support them to do what they want to love you're not forcing like you're not telling your son like you have to follow my footsteps you're just supporting what he wants. And if he, and maybe like you say, he's 12 by the time he's 17, he might say, you know what? I want to go to college and become a, I don't know. Like he wants to go to college and, and, you know, become a history professor. Who knows? Like, I have no idea, but like, I'm sure you're going to support them in whatever they want to do. Um, you know what I mean? You're not forcing them. You gotta, you gotta follow, you gotta follow my footsteps, kids. Nah, no, I'm totally getting sad. Cause the only thing that I asked him to follow in my footsteps is to go is to, um, reach for big things, be ambitious and go for big things. You know, the only thing that I don't want them to do in life is a slave worker and, you know, end up in a factory or working behind some office job that they hate, right? Like, like go big or go home. Um, and I'll always have your back. And if you go big and fail, then, you know, I got your back. If you go small and fail, then, you know, you can, it's easy to go back and go small again. So, um, I'm always going to be pushing them to go for and if that happens to be fighting which my one son looks like it's going to be um of course i'm going to support that yeah absolutely no like i said that's the reality of being a parent right like you want to support them in what they want to do like you said your daughter has no interest in it uh so it's not like you're like all right you got to take jujitsu class no it's not you know she doesn't have interest so that's it you she, know she didn't even want to come to my fight here in columbus like, <laughs> like, like she has no interest in it like <laughs> like i had I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, 
uh, I was like, you know, you can, uh, I think, um, let's try to think of who it was. Um, like, oh yeah, like uh, Chase Young, he was in town recently, right? You know, the the pro football player, you know, she didn't even want to meet him, you know, and like my, my boys are going crazy. And it's like, you know, she's, she's, you know, she's into her own thing. And um, it brings out a part of me that most people probably aren't used to seeing, but, you know, it, it brings out, um, you know, different side of this. And uh, that's part of being a parent, man. You got to be the member. So here's the question, Matt, here's the real test. So, your one son one you know, your one son trains and maybe he'll be a fighter. Your other son loves golf, so you've gotten into golfing for your son. Now here's the real here's the real test of a parent, Matt. If your daughter comes to you one day and says, Dad, I want to go to a Taylor Swift concert, are you gonna go to a Taylor Swift concert with your daughter? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I draw the line somewhere. Well, okay, if you want to <laughs> I know that there's kind of a you know a little bit of humor in that question, but if you wanted to hear the serious answer, the answer is because I do not support them on a sheep, and that's what you're doing when you're going to a Taylor Swift concert. Like there's these garbage music, you know. So <laughs> you're like, I have to draw the line somewhere, okay? And that's where I draw the line. All right, if you're gonna listen, I can't. I can't support Taylor Swift. I I can't. I can't. But if but then you. Know, you know, yeah, no, I can't. <laughs> I, I don't, you know. I, I ain't fucking doing yeah, But I, I say that now, but but when she's a teenager and wanting to go to this type of shit, like she's just too young now, Lord knows what kind of thing I might get involved in. Like, <laughs> like I, I was close to having to go to the Barbie movie with her, you know? It's like, <laughs> her mom ended up going thing. But it's like, Lord knows what I'll be getting dragged into. Yeah, that's that's life apparently. Like, you dude, like I said, I joke. Like I obviously I don't like I it's cool that you're into golfing, especially your sport and your kid. Like that's awesome. I joke because I could never like I've known you for a lot of years. I could just not picture you on a golf course. Like it's just weird to me. But like you're saying that now about your daughter. Who knows? Like you might be doing some shit in a couple of years that you would never imagine yourself being involved in because you want to support your daughter. Yeah, I, I mean, I can say I never anticipated myself, you know, um, sitting in her room, in a girl's room, playing house, you know, <laughs> while, you know, putting on a fucking uh, chef's hat and and cooking brownies on a, what they call them, the little, little fake kitchens. Yeah. You know, I, I never uh, imagined that, but there I was doing it last week. So <laughs> it's like. <laughs> yeah you do shit that you would never expect I, part of why i keep my hair so short is because my daughter loves to um do ponytails and braids in my hair <laughs> so i'm like i'm just i'm just fucking cutting it off like she, <laughs> and she still tries to do it so yeah maybe maybe your daughter want to be a musician you'll be getting her on a on a label with taylor swift you never know like kids are kids you know you never know maybe that's where it's gonna go you never know you know, or maybe maybe she'll uh what what's a girl metal band <laughs> maybe she'll be with them oh uh, yeah that's true you know what i will say though talk about taylor swift completely off subject you want to say because you know you talk about taylor swift i don't know if you saw this story i'm sure you didn't because it was not like a super relevant story but uh 
One reason I have a ton of respect for Taylor Swift, she did this big tour. Everyone knows the tour, like all the sold-out dates and everything. She played Ohio Stadium here in Columbus. Um, when the tour was finishing here in America, she paid all of her people bonuses, like truck drivers and like the people who do like behind-the-scenes stuff. And apparently she paid them a ridiculous like bonus at the end of the tour, like hundreds of thousands of dollars beyond what they were supposed to get paid, like just their normal working rate. She gave them all like... I, I don't want to make up the number, but I want to say it's like two, $300,000 bonuses above what they were supposed to get paid at the end of the tour. Like the wow. truck drivers, the, the grips, the people who put together the stages, like all the, you know, the people you don't see do the shit. She paid all of them. Like she ended up paying out like $40 million in bonuses or something ridiculous like that. And I was like, now that, that makes me have so much respect for her. That's awesome. Like, I love seeing that kind of a story because those are the people who, you know, they bust their ass to make sure she can go on stage and we don't really think about them. But like that's like, we think about like the technicians who get the guitars ready and things like that, the people you see on stage. But like somebody had to build that stage. Somebody had to haul that stage from Chicago to Columbus or Columbus to New York or whatever. Like and the fact that she went out of her way, like not contracted, nothing. And the only reason people knew about it was because the truck drivers, the people who did it, started talking about it. Like, she didn't publicize it. Like, look at this good deed I'm doing. Like, people were like, holy shit, she just paid us, like, $300,000 in a bonus that we didn't ask for, didn't wasn't contracted, like, whatever. That, I think, is awesome. Damn, good for her. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's a probably a cool person. I mean... She's got a lot of boyfriends, right? So she's dating a dating a football player. Maybe one day it's a UFC fighter. You never know. Yeah. Well, that's why I never got with the one dude calling out Miley Cyrus. And I was like, <laughs> not even hot, bro. Like, call out Taylor Swift. <laughs> it worked for the guy. It worked for the guy in the NFL. Like he joked. He's like, I wanted to meet, I wanted to meet Taylor Swift. Now they're dating. Like, dude, shoot your shot. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, go for the stars, man. Don't go for <laughs> <laughs> I took so much heat from Miley fans. <laughs> I forget who that was that even said that about her, but I was like, I was like, Miley? She's oh, not dude. that hot, bro. Dude, I I made a joke because uh no, well no. So like I made a joke. Justin Bieber was at a UFC event and Somebody said they ran past him, like, you know, like there's a tunnel at the UFC event, like to go backstage. There's always like a tunnel to get back to like where backstage is. They had passed him in the tunnel. And I jokingly said on Twitter, if you see him again, make sure you trip him, make him fall. Cause you know, I don't, yeah, I, Justin Bieber seems like a dick. Uh, and dude, the amount of hate I got on Twitter, like it was six months later and I was still getting these random Justin Bieber fans sending me messages about like how I need to fuck off and die. Because I said he should trip and fall backstage, <laughs> like, dude, it was so ridiculous. I mean, and it wasn't even like it wasn't even like a. Pu- I responded to the person, so it's like you had to follow. You know what I mean? Like you had to like go searching for that comment. It wasn't like I posted it on my ta- on my Twitter page, and like I was getting hate messages for months because I jokingly said he should go trip Justin Bieber, and the Bieber fans were they were out for my blood. <laughs> like I don't know where these people come from. <laughs> like it doesn't. Like when I did that about Miley, it was the same thing, bro. There was like I was getting death threats from people. <laughs> I'm just like, like you can't be serious. Like you're a Miley fan. Like what do you mean you're gonna kill me, <laughs> dude? It's <laughs> like, weird, man. Like, <laughs> 
Yeah, like, dude, I listen to a lot yeah. of bands, and, like, when someone tells me the band I listen to sucks or they don't like them, I'm like, oh, that's cool. Everyone's got their own taste. Like, whatever. And you know we're what also I mean? metalheads. Like, we're so used to that. Everybody be like, your music sucks. And we're like, all right. Yeah, you yeah. don't agree. We've been hearing that for since day one. Like, why is bands to begin with? Because everybody said they sucked. Yeah, dude, I'm going to I'm I'm driving three hours to Detroit in uh in November to go see Metallica and Pantera and Ice Nine Kills. Like, I don't care. You don't like Metallica? That's cool. Whatever. Float your own boat. I like them. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's gonna be a killer show, bro. It's cool. Yeah, I'm excited. It should be it should be a good show. So yeah. So, all right. Uh, enough Miley talked. I don't know how we ended up on Taylor Swift and Miley Cyrus of all things for this podcast. You just never know what you're going to get on the show. We went from we went from Logan Paul, Dylan Dennis to Miley Cyrus and Taylor Swift. That's how we roll in this podcast, Matt. Well, you brought up Taylor Swift because you're. You love talking about the pop stars. So. I do. I do. Well, I just wanted to know. I want to know how far your devotion as a father goes. And apparently it stops at Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it stops way before Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> it stopped last time at the Barbie movie. <laughs> so. uh, but you were going to go. You were going to go. Well, I told her I would go. Whether I would have actually went, I don't know. I might have dropped her off and like sat outside the movie theater or something. Uh, actually, I remember what it was. I was trying to find a friend. I was like, okay, if you can find one of your friends, I'll take you. That way I can, you know, do my own thing sitting there with you. Then you're going to be like, you know, talking to me about the movie the whole time. But oh, if you got your friend, <laughs> I'll drop you off. That's hilarious, dude. That's hilarious. Yeah, we're gonna get you like a uh, Barbie shirt. You can wear a Barbie shirt for your kid. That'll be the the next Matt Brown T shirt collaboration with Barbie. It's over the line, Damon. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man! All right, Uh, that's the show for this week, Matt. Where can people uh, find you when they want to support you? Not Taylor Swift fans, and apparently not Miley Cyrus fans, but everybody else if they want to support you. What you got going on? No, all, all the Swifties and Miley's, they can send hate over to I, I am the Immortal on Twitter and Instagram, the Immortal Matt Brown on Facebook. You know, I, I love hearing from them. I love hearing the death threats. <laughs> and they can uh, they can fuel up on Immortal Coffee to uh, come talk shit. Yeah, at the Immortal Coffee. Yeah, you know, um, that's why they can't kill me because I'm going some Cuban espresso from the Immortal Coffee. There you go. Get jacked up on Immortal Coffee and come talk shit to Matt Brown. He welcomes it. Uh, That is our podcast for this week, folks. We'll be back next week. Obviously, uh, next week is a good show, Matt, because we're going to be going into UFC 294, Islam Makachev against Charles Oliveira. That's a great fight. Big fight next week. Of course, Hamza Shamaya, Paulo Costa. So you and I will break those fights down next week and uh, make our picks and predictions. Maybe make a bet. I don't know. Maybe make a bet. You can start chipping away at that mountain of debt you owe me. Uh, we'll see maybe. Uh, and, uh, and we'll talk about that next week and then come out of obviously what's going on this week. And we'll talk about the uh, UFC 294 preview next week. As always want to say a big thank you to everyone that tunes into the podcast. Uh, make sure you check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms, Apple podcast, Spotify, and of course over on the best website in the world, MMAfighting.com. for Matt Brown. I'm Damon Martin. We'll see you guys next week for another edition of the fighter versus the writer. See you then.
Podcast Network.